Turn with me this morning to Philippians 4. And as we uh, prepare to get into the Word of God, let's pray. Let's go before Him. Father, thank You so much for the opportunity to reach out in the blessing of seeing many of our people gathered this morning and, and viewing and, and sharing with one another in this format. But Lord, I pray that we would not get comfortable in this. I pray that we would feel the separation. I know that I do in this room even now. Not the separation from You. That is one of the most unbelievable, incredible things about You, Father. Indescribable that You are omnipresent. That Your Spirit is here with us now, and yet Your Spirit is with each person, each believer that's gathered in their own homes. What a tremendous God we serve. Father, I pray that You would use these words to minister to each heart and whomever is tuned in today and that we would take this message of redemption and share it around the world. To You be all glory, Father. Amen. Well, it was fascinating this past week. Um, by the way, just great to see. I see Max on here. I see Nancy Walter, Christy Wagner. Um, you guys, you know, you're saying hi to one another, which is great. It's like our, our virtual meet and greet. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of fun watching this on Facebook Live. Thank you, Megan Zamora, for your amen. Um, Lynn Redlick, thank you for all my birthday wishes. And uh, that birthday cake that you're promising me, that you don't have to, that it's really too much. Actually, she didn't say anything about my birthday. It's not for a couple months. But uh, you can tune in again and be the church, uh, conqueredbiblechurch.tv or our Facebook Live. This morning, I'm going to bring you a message called Filler Up. Filler Up. And I was really challenged at what to do and what to look at this morning in context to how is it that you want me to approach this week, Lord? What is it? What message can I bring that will inspire us? What will speak to our hearts? And we just finished a series out of the book of Philippians. And I, through the Spirit's leading, had already decided we need to go back. Because so much of what happens in our lives right now is fear-based. And, and as we think about it, how have you spent this last week? How many of you have, uh, have spent more time um, exercising? Because now you have the time, right? That's our excuse. I don't exercise because I just don't have the time. Not, now you have the time. How many of us have uh, spent a lot more time on Netflix or uh, Amazon Prime? Thank God for Netflix! If we didn't have Netflix, we would have homicides within homes, probably. So, uh, it, it is amazing. What would happen if Netflix went down? I've actually been praying... I, I don't know if I want Netflix to crash and burn or whether I want it to stay alive just for our, our uh, mental health. The big question is, how much have I spent time watching or binge-watching TV just to get through the week? How many of us have done DoorDash? Right? That... that we're learning about our, our proclivities. We're learning about our habits when they've been stripped away. All these things that we add in. This is so weird for me. I keep starting to look around the room and I've got two guys. I've got Joe there and Brad over there and I keep going back to my old patterns. I've got to just stay locked in. 
Um, so if you see me looking off to the sides, i got two guys in the room right now. But we, we've had some of our privileges stripped back this week. How have we reacted? How have we reacted? Have you seen it as immensely difficult? Or have you seen it as a privilege to hit a reset button? You know, there's an amazing and unique experience that's happening throughout our world right now that's forcing us to pull back from our normal rhythms. And there's an advantage here. And so looking at how do we speak to this and how do we deal with this, what I see so often on social media is comment upon comment upon comment that is meant with sarcasm, but we all know the the interesting thing about sarcasm, since that is my spiritual gift, there's an ounce of truth in sarcasm. And so, it is amazing how just spending time slowed down. Spending time with family. Not knowing what to do with ourselves becomes that which feeds our anxiety. That which moves us into a high level of discomfort. It was interesting this past week we had all this fear about toilet paper. We'll never get away from this. We're going to see memes all over the place about this. People Magazine or Time Magazine or, you know, eventually there won't be any magazines, but they're going to have, they're going to laugh at us about our, our uh, infatuation with toilet paper this past week. And I put up a post earlier this week contrasting our, our desire to run out and hoard toilet paper for fear of not having it with how much have we pulled our Bibles up? How much have we held on to the Word of God as this precious answer to life that gives us and feeds us our daily bread? We say that in church often, but now we have the chance to live it. Churches are learning how to meet But what will be the result of our isolation? It is my hope and prayer that we never get comfortable with this. This is is really disheartening. Last week was beautiful because being a smaller church, we were able to have some of our people meet in this room, and there was a beauty to it. But i got to tell you right now, while I love the two people that are in this room, and then Alan and Becky running media, while I love those people, and, and, and it would be starkly different if anybody was missing from this room right now, I feel a massive difference. There's something about the people of God not being able to be together. This is why I hope and pray that we feel that difference and when we're given our freedoms again, it is our great desire to be with the church. And I will go as far as say this is a great test. This is a great Uh, metric to measure our spiritual life by. There are believers that have no desire to have the community. There are those believers that name themselves believers that don't feel like the church has any worth. I'm not sure how the Spirit of God can be in you and you not want to be with God's people gathered in community worship. And so we're going to look at that this morning. The question for us is, how do we redeem the time? As we look at this idea of filler up, and we'll get into Philippians in a minute, 
I have a graphic up there. One says redemption. That's the underlying theme of what I want us to focus on today. And then I have this picture that is the iconic uh, demonstration of what happened with God's people in the wilderness. When they became complainers for being isolated out into the desert. They started saying, God has forsaken us. God has left us. We don't have our normal accoutrements that we had in Egypt. Even though we were slaves, we do not have our normal accoutrements. Does that sound familiar? There is an essence to where if we were to take a snapshot of our life and look, what were we slaves to so that it kept us from God? And yet God is freeing us from some of those things now, stripping it back, tearing it away, so we can have genuine, honest relationship, engaged relationship with Him. But even the people of Israel, with the fire, uh, the pillar of fire out in front of them, delivered from slavery, they started to complain. And they started to want to worship other gods again. And they got distracted. The nation of Israel out there wandering the desert, begging for Netflix. Begging for, for uh, DoorDash. Begging for entertainment. Their lives were disrupted. And so God asked that they make a choice. And it was this beautiful picture, but a sobering picture where they were stricken. And He asked Moses to lift the staff. You heard it out of John 3 this morning already. He asked Moses to lift the staff and those that would look to the staff would be saved from the bite of the serpent. And just like Moses lifted up the staff, Scripture tells us so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Are we looking to Jesus as the cure-all for our spiritual lives? What an interesting time, what a unique time that God has stripped away in a unique moment those things that distract us, but are we going to be like some of Israel that looked back at an unhealthy life and said we long for that rather than being God's community and being dedicated to the Lord? How do we redeem the time? Well, number one, we've been given a heavenly timeout. Right? Do you remember being given a timeout by your parents or by a teacher? I do. I got them all the time. Okay, so... Uh, my sister's watching, she would agree with that. My wife's watching, she would agree with that. I get put on timeouts all the time. And, and a timeout is a time for us to adjust. God has put the world on a timeout. He has systematically asked the entire world to focus and contemplate life. Life and death. This makes me think of another period of time where God's people were quarantined. That there was massive fear and honestly, massive death. If you know me at all, you know that I don't like to cut corners. I don't like to uh, sweeten the pot necessarily. I like to talk straight. I like to look at the whole picture because I believe you want to know the whole picture. Go to the story of Noah because of the unrighteousness of the world and their absolute refusal to acknowledge God, God sent a flood. And it destroyed the world. Now what's interesting is, you may have problems being stuck in your house this past week. Here in California, in our county, we are to be sequestered till April 7th. 
We got what? Two more weeks to go? Something like that? We got two more weeks to go. And for some of you moms out there or some of you single parents, you are ready to move to Antarctica if you could just have a break. I, I, I get it. I understand it. But maybe there's an opportunity for us to adjust. But it made me think of another time where there was something that was disastrous for the entire world. And I think of the flood. And the harsh, brutal reality, and we talked about this last week, is this a punishment from God? We don't know that. We have no idea if this is a punishment from God. So those who, who start to proclaim those things, be careful. Now if God has come to you and told you with a burning bush moment that this is of God and, and, and that's the way it's happened, just understand, Scripture tells us these things happen a myriad of different ways. It's not so much who's causing it, it's how we react, it's how we respond and the entire time that Noah was building the ark, the world had the chance to repent. They refused. And so Noah and his family were redeemed and saved alone. They were pulled out of the destruction, given protection. They were isolated. You think you've got a bad week. Imagine you're in, in, in day 28. And again, Noah says to Ham, by the way, having the name Ham and you're stuck on a, on a boat, isolated with a bunch of animals, eh, that wouldn't be my preference. So I tried, I tried to crack a joke there. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work in the room. Uh, I knew that was going to fall. But the point is this. Imagine, you know, Noah tells him, hey, go check on the zebra for the 482nd time. There's only so much you can do in a boat floating around the world, and you think about the fear you're living in, think about... This was completely unknown, and yet they were redeemed. They were saved out of the destruction. The reality is, is that there have been moments where God has worked to course correct our affection for sin because He values us that deeply. Now the beautiful part for us today is that we can look at that, but we can also know the heart of God that He promised us He would never commit that kind of destruction again. And he hasn't. But it gives us cause to think, here is this family that is in lockdown for 40 days and 40 nights. In effect, it was for their protection. How did they survive without Netflix? I don't know. The question for you and I, as we sang earlier, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, how much have we watched Netflix this week versus being in the Word of God? I encourage you, uh, I asked some of our care team and our staff to respond with opportunities for us as a church. What can we do to uh, work through this time of sequester? And one of our individuals recommended an app called Dwell. And it allows you to uh, focus and dwell on Scripture as it is read to you. So that may be one process that you can you can utilize. I think of Joseph in prison. How many months, how many years was Joseph stuck in prison unjustly? And yet, at the end, Joseph says what? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Our challenge, brothers and sisters, is there are moments in time where we receive a heavenly timeout. And as I look at those things out of Scripture, often I see that it is God's process and His plan to motivate me, to engage me, to understand who should be exalted. My own agenda, my own world that I think I'm in control of, 
or when all that gets stripped back, when the music fades, do I understand I'm not really in control? All we have to do is have a, a, a simple pandemic and the whole world is affected. That's why I see some similarities here with, say, the flood. This idea of being sequestered and, and in lockdown. We've been studying uh, in Philippians that Paul was stuck in prison in Rome for two years. Why would God stick him in prison for two years in the midst of his ministry? To isolate him away from his brothers and sisters, from all the work that he had to do. How many of you are, are cringing? How many of you uh, uh, are, are twitching, literally twitching now because your work is piling up and you can't get it done? What about Jesus' temptation? 40 days in the wilderness. Paul's escape into the wilderness after his conversion. The possibility to strip away the unnecessary things we build into our life is at our threshold, brothers and sisters. We've been given a heavenly time out. God will do what is necessary to redeem His people. Please understand that what I am saying in effect is I don't know that what's happening is from God. But God certainly can use something like this to course correct and recalibrate our lives to redeem those that are lost. The question I ask myself is where will I be at the end of this timeout? Where will I be at the end of this timeout? Practical application for us in this idea is when you get to the point where you've been given the all clear and hopefully that's coming quickly. And honestly, I just want to share with you, I believe it is. I believe it is coming quickly. But in this time period, you're giving a unique opportunity. What will you do with it? And when we get to the end of this time, how will we be different? How will the church be different? How will the kingdom be different? How will people's lives be different? Because we've been given a heavenly time out. Again, there are opportunities for us to reach out. And let me move that into this idea of our redemption and our faith in history. I was searching history to find out was there another time or were there other times and what did those look like when there were worldwide pandemics? You don't have to go too far away from Christ. You can go in the late 3rd century, 260 to 280, and there was a horrible horrible pandemic that happened in the area of the Mediterranean and the Empire of Rome. It actually nearly destroyed Rome before it fell eventually and split into the Byzantine um, schism. They think it was a version of smallpox. And it's actually been labeled after a name of a bishop St. Cyprian. It's called the Plague of Cyprian. And you can Google it. You can look it up. The history of the church was the fact that the world was in crisis. And it is said in history, Roman history, that over 5,000 people a day died at its, at its pinnacle. Now, brothers and sisters, they didn't have ventilators. They didn't have modern medicine. Think about how hopeless that situation was. 
What did the church do? Well, Cyprian led the church out of North Africa. And his approach was to move headlong into those that were sick and to minister. And he led the church not to shelter in place and not to care for themselves, but to reach out and be Christ. To be hope. To be light. I encourage you to look up this story and think about what is happening around the world today and what will the church do. We're on the cusp of maybe even having an anecdote. Uh, a, a, a solution to this within the next week. And then we'll go right back to our lives. You know, the Lord worked through His church mightily. Mightily. In the time of this plague. It proliferated the church. Where Rome was hostile. And during that time, it is said that Rome turned on the Christian church and tried to blame all of this on the church. And you see all that in politics today, but what's amazing is that because of the church's courage in Christ, they stood strong so much to the point where history tells us there were conversations saying, do you not fear? Why would you do this? Why would you go into this storm? And yet it was because of the church that many people survived. There was great famine because of this. There was great disease, and yet the church stood strong. And because of that, it proliferated the Mediterranean region in the name of Christ. What will be the history of the church today? What will be the history of Concord Bible Church? You have a choice. Do we take our faith in response to fear, and do we take that message of light and hope and is it really truly resident within our life? Sometimes it takes a pandemic to get us to really wrestle with where are we spiritually? Do we always feel in control? Do we feel like our own God? In times like this, it levels one and it makes us feel not very much like God. And yet we see historically that the church leaning into faith has been a powerful avenue to redeem the world. You know, what's interesting is when we look at faith or fear, what will be our history in this moment? What's interesting is I read a report out of uh, uh, something I saw online, uh, a statement from John Hopkins University, a doctor there, um, in context to what is COVID-19? What's fascinating about it and what makes it a little bit different, and, and, and let me just share this with you. We have 29 people die every day from drunk driving in the U.S. Yet we don't see that as catastrophic to the point of we need to stay home or we need to change things when it comes to our freedom and our liberties. 29 people die every day in 2018 from drunk driving. Always, again, I will say rejoice. For those of you that are online right now, I want you to write out things that you have rejoiced and share those with one another on our Facebook Live. What are the ways that you have chosen to rejoice even though your whole world has changed to a degree? How is it that you have rejoiced? And Paul doubles down. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, 
I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. You know, to have that understanding of peace and not to be overreactive and not to uh, run with a fragmented piece of information to cause more panic. Brothers and sisters, can we have a credible message to those around us so that the redemption of mankind can happen? This is what Paul's speaking to. Be reasonable. Be known. Let it be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He is near. God is not evacuated. He has not turned His back on us. He has given us a time to contemplate and, and started to strip away those things that distract us from a healthy relationship with Him. So let's utilize the time understanding that the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about most things. Is that what your Scripture says? It says, do not be anxious about anything. How can we do that? I think looking back at history and looking at the church during Cyprian's administration, so to speak, to use that word, we can see demonstrations that the peace of God which transcends all understanding guarded over their hearts and minds. The same promise I'm about to read to you now that Paul gives, I am sure, I am certain that that church, that church in the Mediterranean leaned on these words and it was because of that that they had this prolific effect on a panicked world. They had peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. So how do you do that? How do you actually accomplish that? Here it is, folks. This is what we need to put into practice so that uh, we have peace and not panic. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Go to God. Go to Him with those anxieties. Go to Him with that trust. Get into intimate times of worship with Him during your week. Focus on Him. And you'll see a difference. This is what it means to be redeemed. To be pulled out. To be bought back out of the clutches of sin and death. Because of Jesus Christ, we have hope and peace. Amen? And so he says... Let your requests be made known to God. Go to Him in prayer. Have prayer times during the day. Multiple prayer times. Many of us have new amounts of time. Redeem the time. Parents that have your kids at home, have you, have, have you as of yet sat down to have a time of prayer with your kids? You have a unique and golden opportunity to reset the pattern of your household. Start with this verse and go to prayer, then we need to recognize once we go to prayer, how has God answered those prayers? How has God answered those prayers? I gave you the history of, of the church during the plague that again, they figure was probably a smallpox plague during the time of, of Cyprian. Now, we can look back and be inspired by that, but I don't think we have to just lean on to that. We will come out of this time with our own stories of how God has worked through us through His church. Now! You've even heard some of the stories this morning in the testimony time. We have Jesus Christ. We have Jesus Christ. So let us pursue Him. 
And then Paul says what? He gives a promise. Not a suggestion, but a guaranteed promise. He says, if you do those things, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then here comes the beautiful, beautiful promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Fill her up. Fill her up. P-H-I-L. Fill her up. I want to know that kind of peace. And if I'm going to get that peace, I don't just dabble. I don't stick a toe in it, my friends. I make a constant practice. A dedicated discipline to do what Paul is saying here day in, day out. You want to know that peace. It will not be enough for you to take a swipe at being thankful. To take a swipe at offering up a simple prayer once over the 40 days. It will be a continual process day in, day out. And I guarantee you, if you do that, He will redeem you from the panic. He will redeem you from the panic. But He didn't stop there because for some of us, that seems too easy. So let me take us to the next part of the passage. By the way, once again, I'm going to read the promise to you. And the peace of God, not the panic, of the world, but the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then he gives us another choice. If, and I think Paul probably sensed this, that when it comes to the idea of our peace instead of panic, he knew that we would need more. Some of us are just built and wired that way, right? We need lists of things to do to keep our mind preoccupied. And really, that's what we're talking about, brothers and sisters. It's what's in our mind. And so Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then here comes the promise. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Now that's important. Before I give you the promise with the very last few words, let me help you understand. Paul does not speak without credibility. So I hear that list. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is lovely, think on these things. How can I do that? Stop watching the news all day. Number one, stop watching the news all day. What's going to happen is going to happen. And if, if there is a process of, of fixing and, and creating uh, uh, testing stations, all that, you'll get that information. You'll get that information. But stop sitting all day long sucking this in so that it, it overtakes your mind, which then overtakes the heart, which then creates panic instead of peace. We do it to ourselves. But because of Christ, He has redeemed us out of that panic into peace. And Paul says this with great credibility. Whatever you have seen in me, do this. This was Paul's practice. This was Paul's choice. Sitting where? Walking all over the Mediterranean? Going from church to church? No, he was in complete lockdown for two years. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to encourage you to pray right now. We're not in lockdown for two years. I don't think I'll survive that. 
But think about it. When Paul says do these things, he comes with credibility because he has been in lockdown for two years. And then here comes the promise. And it comes with credibility. Verification. This works. Test subjects. It works. For two years, it works. And he says if you do those things, what will happen? The peace of God. I'm sorry. Uh, Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's your promise, folks. There's your promise. God is a message of redemption. And this morning you may be tuned in and you may be asking yourself, what is going to happen? What's going to play out with all of this? Well, we can choose some of this. We can choose the peace of Christ and the redemption of Christ from sin and death. And if we don't hold on to that message and understand the parallels of how the world is in fear about a physical pandemic, brothers and sisters, very few people in the world will actually in turn suffer this. But sin? Sin knows no boundaries. No one is safe from sin and death unless they know Jesus Christ. He has provided the antidote through the cross and through the resurrection to our spiritual health, our spiritual difficulties, our spiritual sickness. And so this morning, as we look at this idea of filler up, we have to start with an inoculation. We have to start with where our soul actually is and speaking to the sickness, the soul sickness that's going on. We cannot know this peace, <coughs> excuse me, we cannot know this peace unless we know Jesus Christ. Jesus made it very plain and very simple. No one comes unto the Father but by me. That if we choose to follow Christ, if we choose to put our confidence and our trust in Him, He will name us as His child. And then, those things of the world, we don't have to take on the responsibility for them necessarily. We don't have to play God anymore. Because we don't do a very good job at it. But instead, we put the proper God, the proper God on the throne. And that's when this peace, not panic, that's when the peace that transcends all understanding can come into our hearts and lives and guard against all of this. Brothers and sisters, redeem the time. Redeem the time. In closing this morning, let me pray over you. And it's been great to be gathered today. And I hope that you've had a clear uh, presentation of what we can do in the coming weeks uh, be paying attention for things that we're going to uh, be offering as the church leaning in in care ministry. And again, if you have needs, please contact us uh, at the church. Contact at Conquer Bible Church or Jay Cook at Conquer Bible Church. And we're forming up a care team right now and an outreach team that's here to help and, and help support you in any way, shape, or form. So Contact us as long as the Lord keeps providing the resources, we'll keep giving the resources. We trust in the Lord and in all of this. Let me wrap in prayer, and then I have a, uh, 
I have a little thing to help distract us over the next few weeks. Uh, Hopefully it's something that we can respond together as we're kind of sequestered and uh, virtually kind of have a, a good perspective and spiritual encouragement day in, day out. We'll see. We'll see what happens with it. But let me pray and then I'll show you this video. Father, thank You so much for this message of peace and not panic. We pray that You fill us up with that peace that will guard over our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We pray that we understand that as there is a pandemic around the world, it is nowhere close to the spiritual pandemic that is going on. And I pray right now for every individual that's tuned in that that would be the greater desire that we would follow in the history of the church in the, in the late 3rd century and we would approach with great courage and leaning on Your power and Your understanding how we might be the light of Christ and be a support to those around us when there is panic, we can be peace. Thank You that You are God and not us. Thank You You have an answer for all of this and and there can be peace reestablished. But change us. Use Your church to wake up in the face of all of this that there would be so many more that would see the beauty of the redemption of Christ Jesus. We pray all these things in Your name. Amen.